There are some movies that have great representations of mental illness. Grounded in reality, not used as a cheap plot device, and not harmful to already stigmatized communities. We will not be talking about one of those films in this episode. Today, we're talking about the 2016 film Split, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, and we have a lot to say about it. This film is about Kevin, a man with disassociative identity disorder, whose alternate personalities cause him to kidnap, torture, and eventually devour some teenage girls. One of these girls is Casey, a teenager who knows exactly what to do in this situation because her uncle sexually assaulted her. I don't know. Take your questions to M. Night Shyamalan. This is a tense thriller that actually works on several levels. Unfortunately, there are also some problems with it that keep it from really accomplishing its goal. From a mental health perspective, this is a dumpster fire of hot garbage and horrible shit. Shyamalan did just enough research to make Kevin believable as a patient with DID, but then made him a soulless killer with superpowers. As we talk about in this episode, this was not done out of ignorance. Shyamalan had the data, he knew what he was doing, and he was warned not to do this, and he chose to anyway. This is one of the first films we've talked about that not only has inaccurate stereotypes, but actively causes harm to the mental illness community. So in this episode, we talk about how Shyamalan got it wrong, lay out some facts about DID, and talk about some stats on how the media influences public opinion on mental illness. All that and more coming up in this episode of Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. Welcome to Peculiar Picture Show, the podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. I am one of your hosts, Maria Malazzo. And I'm your other host. I am Brandon Gregory. So today we're looking at the 2016 M. Night uh, Shyamalan. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. I think um, so, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan movie Split, um, which I had not seen before. Now, this was your pick. Had you seen this before? Yes, I have seen this before. Uh-huh. And um, this was my pick because I thought it would be really interesting to talk about on a um, movie um, or a movie po- a pod. Yeah. A podcast that talks about movies and mental health uh-huh. because I do. I this was one that I knew got it wrong. I don't think there's any spoilers here. We're gonna <laughs> think that this got it wrong. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about it because you know that's part of this podcast and um and yeah and I know that this movie is um. It's not really supposed to be about dissociative identity disorder, and it's not really supposed to be about mental health. It's actually a superhero kind of series of movies, uh-huh. which is why I thought, you know, it, it it is the second in a series, I think, of M... It, um, not I think, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan movies, where the first one was Unbreakable with Bruce Willis. Uh-huh. Did you see that one? Did you see did. any of them? Yeah, I, oh, I saw Unbreakable yeah. and this. I haven't yeah. seen the third one. Okay, yeah, and the third one is... Glass or Mr. Glass or whatever with Samuel L. Jackson, which it kind of brings back in the first one in Unbreakable. It's Bruce Willis is a superhero or Superman. I don't know, whatever. He can't. He's just finding out he's a superhero, I guess, you know, and that he can't really be killed or hurt. But Mm -hmm. then his adversary is a guy who is very breakable, Mr. Glass, you know, so that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second one (laughs) is just thrown in there (laughs) with 
you know, James McAvoy playing the the beast or this, you know, and I guess that's supposed to be another villain. And then they get kind of together at the end and the third. So like it kind of wraps these kind of in. And I, I want to say I've only seen I've seen them all. I've seen the third one. And I want to say that they actually bring back the girl in this. And there's a, mm-hmm. still a lot more about mental health. But the the first one, Unbreakable, wasn't really about mental health. You know, like didn't have yeah. that much in it. So it was really, you know, and um, I want to say the third one is probably not that great for mental health either. But I would have to rewatch <laughs> it um, because it's just still going off of this idea of, you know, um, uh, you know, mental illness gives you evil superpowers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. and, and also, Brandon. I mean, I don't know if you caught this in, in here, but we would totally have been okay if the beast tried to eat us because apparently we've got self harm scars. Yep, yep. That's, that's, <laughs> so, <laughs> yep check out my like, arm, oh, beast. Oh, you got yes. a cut on your arm. Okay. Oh, you're all right. All right. Was, yeah. Yep, you're all right. You're you're so. pure. <laughs> so so I, yeah, I guess you know. We'd be okay that's, in that's this how world. That would, that's how that would work. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, when I was looking in, I don't know how much you looked into the background of this. Um, I, I, the one of the things that I was, I was looking into was, you know, what research was done around um, dissociative identity disorder by M. Night uh-huh. Shyamalan and and uh, James McAvoy, and um, it doesn't seem like a lot. Like it seemed like. From what I gathered about the things that are said on the internet, which we all know the internet is n- never 100% factual, but just <laughs> the general idea was that they didn't even talk to anyone who had dissociative. They only talked to some therapists, but they didn't actually right. meet someone because James McAvoy said he couldn't find someone, which I highly <laughs> doubt that you would be able yeah. to, hey, I'm making the next M. Night Shyamalan film and I can't find somebody to talk to about this. I mean, probably because it was an offensive portrayal. And so I, I actually do have some information right? on who he did talk to. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which I'll get into it, you know, oh, later uh, in the yeah, show. Okay. But yeah, so, yeah, so I, I think he did some research because there are parts of this that are accurate and unfortunately it's all the wrong parts Mm -hmm. uh which i'll also get into later Mm -hmm. but um it's there was just so much wrong with it like i knew this was going to be bad but this was still so much worse than i thought it was going to be um so and (laughs) yeah it's i mean this was a bit of a blockbuster movie the budget was nine million dollars i mean it's an m9 shimalan i mean they're they're it's popular like his style of movie his thing his name you know that's well, draws a big crowd yeah i mean his name from sixth sense but i mean how right. many other good movies has he had you know well, the happening was like the greatest one no i'm sorry that the was like the worst well, one that was maybe it's <laughs> not the worst because so there's the last airbender which is even worse so oh i haven't seen him it's he did so, that so like, did he? yeah i haven't uh, i've only were, I've, oh yeah. lady in the water was another one like i watched it and i was like i just i feel utterly betrayed by the movie industry like it's it <laughs> well, I guess so, you're so right. Bad. i guess it's because i always just think that people love him i guess because he got he yeah. kept on putting out movies it was the same thing it was always that twist you know Ooh, there's uh-huh. an m night Shyamalan movie and we're gonna be tricked at the end what's the trick which i was glad that there was no trick at the end which is probably the only thing okay spoilers we'll get into that in a minute but <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's how, and so I think maybe, I think you're right. I always think he's like, really, I really, I don't know anybody who likes this movies. <laughs> so I don't know. I just thought mainstream people like it though. 
It, you know, um, I think early in his career, people thought he was a Maybe. genius and then just tanks eventually. And so yeah. now that said, like this film probably was better than some of the other flops in his portfolio. Yeah, but um, like, like Lady in the Water was just ridiculous. There was a mermaid that lives in a swimming pool and like nobody knows. Um, so yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, this made back over 30 times its production budget. So this was a very successful film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. And people, I so mean, lots of people saw it. A lot of people were angry about it, but a lot of people paid to see it. So, yep, exactly. There you go. Mm. So, yeah, I, like, I think it goes without saying that I was not a big fan of this film. So, there's, uh, yeah, I think a, a few things about the film were done well, but it's just the whole premise is just awful. So, I, I was not the biggest fan of this. Okay, Brandon, so <laughs> is there anything that you liked about this film? Um, like I said, the premise, I was just not a big fan of. And so now that said, the performances from James McAvoy and Anya Taylor-Joy were good. Like there were good performances, but aside from that, like like I said, I just didn't like this film because of the premise. Um, so it's I, I think that's really all the positive I have to say about this. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't. So I didn't think it was horrible. Like it's entertaining. I mean, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. like that I can find entertaining. So um, this definitely wasn't like boring. Um, and. I would say if I have to try to think about things that I liked about it, 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 I think one of the things which I was alluding to earlier in the intro is that it doesn't feel like an M. Night Shyamalan movie uh-huh. because it feels like a horror movie. So, yeah. like, I think that because it just doesn't feel like another one of, okay, like, are we going to get like the same old, we don't know what's going on and like we have to figure it out and there's something completely different than we thought. And so there was mm-hmm. really no twist at the end, which I thought was a, a plus because I'm just so over all those, you know, that it's just such a tired, like it worked, I guess it worked for the sixth cent, you know, it was like once it worked and like then it never works again, but it was, you know, so, yeah. so that was one of the things I liked to, about it is that it didn't feel like um it didn't feel like the guy who directed it directed it um and then <laughs> and then um and then I mean it was like entertaining I guess but yeah like I'm I don't have very much other that's so bad some of the things just so bad that like it just overshadows anything that's good unfortunately mm-hmm. for me so. yeah I, I think I'm in agreement. <laughs> I know. And this is going to be like the quickest. I mean, what do you think if we compare? I wonder what we said about which is I want to say this is probably the first or the second movie that we really both didn't like in terms of this program. And the first one being Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have to rank Shakespeare in Love against this one. Shakespeare in Love was worse. Okay, um, yes, okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, because at least like I could watch this movie. I can't even watch 
Shakespeare and love for more than five minutes without being right. like looking around it, it and being like, awful. are people seeing this? Like, is this like a serious thing? So, all right, I just figured I would ask that question. Daisies blooming, sundress swaying in the breeze. I can't stop staring. You've put a spell on me, and I hope that you never decide to set me free. Right, so Brandon, now let's talk about what we didn't like. Um, and I know that a lot of the, what we're not going to like is the mental health, so we'll try to, to, mm. to, to separate what we didn't like specifically about the movie <laughs> and then the mental health part. But yeah, go. <laughs> oh, gosh, there's so much. Um, it's like, I mean, part of it, like just aside from the mental health, this seemed really exploitative of the teenage girls. Yes, um, they're just like, they just keep going on. It's like, yeah, remove some more clothing and we're going to keep you in your underwear for the rest of the movie. And it's like they're teenage girls. Like, I, it's like, I, I get like if a film shows violence against women in an honest portrayal, but it just, it seemed like this was very exploitative. It didn't seem like it was really done in a smart way or a meaningful way. It was just like, aha, I'm going to show danger. And then like, you know, in the, um, terms of endearment episode i talked about how bad dramatic writers the first thing they reach for is cancer when they need something dramatic yeah. and like this ha- this happens more in books i think than movies but it still happens in movies when you write want to write a troubled female character the first thing people re- reach for is rape um or child yep. abuse um mm-hmm. and so that's we see like there's a troubled character and then they go back and show this rape scene with her uncle and they're like that's not really a part like they could have easily explained this that she had depression or something like that um but they had to like throw this rape scene in there like it it just like there there were so many things about these teenage girls that i thought were not done well um it's it, it like it seems like it was it was trying to take advantage of these characters rather than show them in any sort of positive light um and so there's that um and like there's of course all the mental health which i'll get into a bit here i mean first of all like the end when he transforms Mm -hmm. into the beast and he's like crawling on walls and then the Mm -hmm. beast says i am not human i was like yes that's exactly what we need thank you m night Shyamalan. Mm -hmm. um yeah it's um and this is built on that bullshit premise that humans only use like 10 percent of the brain and we just need to unlock the rest of it um which is like that that has never been a true statement but people eat that shit up like Mm -hmm. people just Mm -hmm. love that right Um, and then if you in order to do that all you have to do is get traumatized really bad when you're younger and like mm-hmm. in some kind of way and then yeah, yeah. and then you're automatically like <laughs> yeah and now this alternate personality comes out to create more trauma so more people are traumatized so they can unlock the rest of their brains and, and did you see the alternate ending for this by the way no actually i um i knew i had like in the thing where i was watching it i had it and i totally forgot did you see it I did because like okay. Amazon actually told me stay tuned right. after the credits for the alternate ending. Yeah. And so the um 
I mean, first of all, the the ending they stuck in the movie was like these different personalities talking to each other about achieving their full potential. It doesn't mm-hmm. wrap up anything in the movie. No, no. Like, yes, like, it's it doesn't, so bad. The like, ending is like the so, low, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was tacked on. And the reason they did that is because the original ending showed the beast was sitting on top of a building looking down. And he's talking about, like he says something like, look at all this unrealized potential. And you realize he's looking down at an elementary school. And then that's it. That's the ending. Which like is a natural progression from this movie, but M. Night Shyamalan was like, yeah, it just didn't work, and I, yeah, I just didn't feel it's the right movie. It was like, well, yeah, probably because like people freaked out because, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and so he changed the ending, I think, to soften the blow a bit. But the problem is the ending he put in there does not address anything in the movie it it doesn't make sense with the movie and so he didn't just need to shoot a different ending he needed to shoot a different movie um and so yeah yeah and then at that point i think everything was wrapped up so he couldn't do anything and then i mean he made a bunch of money on this anyway so he probably wasn't going to but um anyway i i did find out he talked to a clinical psychologist when he was writing this and the clinical psychologist was named bethany brand and so he asked her specifically like to gain some more insight into did so she did sit down and talk with him um and gave him some information and like I said, some of the information here is actually accurate. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But um, when the trailer was released for Split, Bethany Brand was like, uh, no, this is really problematic. Contacted Chumlon to express concern over the harmful portrayal. And that right. might be when he chose to reshoot the ending. I don't know for sure. Um but Brand was actually put in contact with the representative from Universal Pictures, and they actually they had a phone conversation on how to fix things and how to promote positive awareness about DID. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she was like, OK, maybe this can work. And like nothing ever happens. Like she put out more right. inquiries. Nobody wrote her back. And so and then um, when CNN was writing this article, Shyamalan actually refused to comment on this. Mm-hmm. Um, like they asked him for his side of the story. and He refused to comment. Right. Um, and so in this time before the movie was released, Shyamalan said, we've had no issues from people who have actually seen this film, just zero, which like, there's no way that's true. Um, so when the movie was released, there was a petition with 16,000 signatures that called on the film's actors to publicly state that violent tendencies in DID are rare, like to give a little right. uh, P- PSA, right, this never PSA. happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a petition with 20,000 signatures that called for a boycott of the film. And, you know, obviously a lot of people saw it. So that didn't really happen either. So, like, it, the thing is, it's not like Shyamalan just didn't know the facts. He had the facts because he talked to Bethany Brand and he was specifically warned about this. And so he had the facts and he intentionally right. made the movie this way. And so right. this is like intentionally a malicious portrayal. Um, and so, like, that. Like when I found that out, like that, like, cause I was like, okay, maybe he just didn't know, but he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and so this just intentionally a malicious portrayal. And that I think is a very egregious error on his part. And the fact that he's not willing to address that now is also an egregious error. So there were, I mean, I, I could probably go on for another 30 minutes on stuff I didn't like in this film, but that wraps up most of it. So what about you? What did you not like? Well, I mean, you know, same, same, same things. Right. Um, trying yeah. to stay away from talking about how you know it got um, mental illness and all that stuff wrong. Um, cheesiest ending ever. Um, mm-hmm. Worst ending ever. Um, the when Bruce Willis, like, you know, everyone's like watching what's going on, and like, then they go to Bruce Willis, and he's just sitting there like having a cup of coffee. I'm like, yeah, that's how we're tying that in here. I just thought it was really like <laughs> not very thoughtful and just like tacked uh-huh. on as well. Um, and though, like you said, I feel like 
the movie just feels so it exploits the fuck out of everything and yeah. the whole movie makes me very uncomfortable for some reason like i didn't like I, and i think you're i think you were talking about it when like exploiting the teenage girls that's what really made me it almost like was like it was trying to make her have feelings for um, James McAvoy's character and and then in mm-hmm. the third film I think it even furthers that which makes me oh, just gosh. uncomfortable like yeah, I just feel awful. very uncomfortable and and like something is not right here like yeah like we're just having them take off their clothes for why and like all that like I just see it just left a really bad taste in my mouth in that way mm-hmm. and um, make made me feel something I, I just felt uncomfortable. The whole thing makes me yeah. feel uncomfortable. Um, and like, you know how M. Night Shyamalan always, well, I don't know if you know this, um, but he always has like the cameos in his films. So like the cameo yeah. in this one I was where yeah. he's talking about Hooters. Like, were they trying to make, what was the whole Hooters thing about? <laughs> I even felt like. It, he's playing like, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like so. I just really felt like um, it was trying to talk, have some kind of message about Hooters. Um, in this movie because they're like you know he orders hooters and then she makes a comment about it or you know the psychologist and he just keeps saying about how it's good and blah 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 the restaurants i don't know i just thought it was really weird a lot of weird things in the movie just (laughs) like the writing and just unfortunately just not 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 the greatest thing so yeah and it's i mean like it kind of I, there were a few more things that bugged me. One is like, oh gosh, Anya Taylor Joy was Claire. Was that her name, or was that the other girl? I forget. Yeah, I, I can't I remember. Know. But I know. let me. Um, Casey, that's it. Casey, yes. So, yeah, C. it's just like every situation that came up is just like Casey knew instinctively exactly the right thing to do, and like the girls get into trouble when they don't listen to Casey, and so like she just she knew everything that the plot needed her to know. There was no struggle for her to figure everything out. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just, it was lazy writing um, to have this, you know, kind of Nancy know-it-all type character. Um, And then like, there's, there is one character that's like, oh, you know, people with this condition are, you know, not harmful. You know, they're usually not violent. And then like, this is shown to be like foolishness. And then she's killed for that belief. I was like, okay, that was subtle. Like, um, that's just one more slap in the face for anybody with this condition or mental illness in general is, you know, there's the one person that believes in you and oh man, she was absolutely wrong about that and she dies because of it like so many things wrong with this but like I said I can go on for another half hour so Mm getting into um the heart of our episode here so um what is what is what does the movie split have to say about mental health and mental illness um there there are a lot of things i could talk about here and so it's first of all i wanted to get you know just lay out some facts on disassociative identity disorder um and so let's let's go through some of those and so there, there were you know Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to say say what I have here is uh, disassociative identity disorder is a reaction to trauma to help the person cope and avoid bad memories. So 90% of the cases involve severe trauma during childhood and the rest stem from like war or other bad experiences. But most of these are childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's characterized by there's the presence of two or more distinct personalities, which may have their own names, personal histories, and characteristics. The treatment is talk therapy. A disorder is accompanied by memory gaps beyond normal forgetfulness. Um, and in the movie, the guy has like 23 personalities. That's actually a pretty reasonable number for uh, this disorder. And so the mm-hmm. average is 16, like 50% have under 10 personalities, but some people actually have them in the thousands of different personalities. Um, so the average is 16. And, you know, so far, this is all accurate in the movie. Right? And so mm-hmm. this is the research that M. Night Shyamalan did is he actually shows like this is how this disorder could develop. Um, but then like it just goes completely off the rails. It's like like this would have been so much better had he just made up some condition. It's, I mean, can you imagine the the blowback if he said like instead of just, you know, disassociative identity disorder, there was a man, a middle aged white man who when he got erectile dysfunction, he turned into this raging homicidal maniac right. and started killing people like, oh, yeah. Like that would not fly. That would get like just shot immediately down. Like nobody would have gone for that. But because it's mental illness, which people are just kind of conditioned to believe is dangerous. Right. It's um, the cause of a lot of violence. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are, because this stems from trauma, like actually comorbid conditions are very common. And like, it's, it's not uncommon to have five to seven comorbid conditions. Um, and so those conditions can include BPD is actually very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, suicide and self-harm, very common. Um, and in addition to that, headaches, depression, PTSD, substance abuse, eating disorders, anxiety disorders. And we, we don't see any of this in Kevin. Kevin actually seems to be like pretty, I'm calling him Kevin, you know, in spite of his many personalities. So we Mm -hmm. don't see any of these in Kevin. Kevin is actually seems to be very well adjusted. And so the reason for the personalities being created seems to be right on. Um, But I mean, he's been in therapy seemingly for years. um, And like what this came out in 2016. And so um, he's been in therapy for years and has made no progress and has actually like, reversed progress like he's gone back and created a new personality why would he create a new personality there's not new trauma um so it it doesn't make sense for a new personality to emerge that's total fiction um and so i mean they try to allude to how like someone is on like a vacation or something and they like try like some teenage girl do you remember that story they allude to him he's I at his job know. and there's teenage girls visiting or whatever some school bus oh, trip yeah. and they put their hands on his body or something and that brings mm-hmm. back the trauma which then therefore that is why dennis and patricia take hold they don't say that's why like beast came into existence i think i don't think that but it's more like this is what happened it has like some traumatic act has happened again which is like you know made him take go backwards in his progress or something i think that's what they were alluding to right and okay i had forgotten about that so apparently there was a a trigger for the trauma and i could see those personalities coming back out but i mean like after after that trauma this is all just complete fiction yeah um and the, yeah. like, there was that like I think Kevin actually says or one of his personalities says several times like people don't believe we exist and the psychiatrist also says people don't believe these people exist and like that's not true at all like um, I think the first documented diagnosed case of DID was in the 1600s um, 
And so like this, the people have known this existed for a long time to the point where like this has made appearances in movies before, like Psycho in 1960. This was a plot device. Um, Fight Club, um, The Three Faces of Eve. It's, I think, even earlier than mm-hmm. um, Psycho. Yeah, I and do so- think, though, like I do think that maybe this point was one of the thing, one of the only things that there's some truth to that, because I do think that the stigma that goes along with having to Associative Identity mm-hmm. Disorder, DID, is um, very much of people don't believe it. And so, like, that kind of thing, I can totally see where people don't really think you, like, your issues don't stem from mental illness. Like, they don't really believe in mental illness or mm-hmm. they don't believe in, especially when you have another personality. So, I could, the, for me, like, that was maybe one of the only kind of positive <laughs> things about yeah. about about it was that there is a stigma against people who have mental illness that they don't take it seriously. Like they don't take their mm-hmm. mental illness seriously because they're like, well, I don't have mental illness. Like this, it's not ne- never possible that somebody has 16 different personalities. No, that, that, no, that, like there are people I think that do believe that, you know, I, I do agree with you though. I mean, obviously the mental health, like the psych- therapist, psychologist, like her, like, uh, job like to think that they right. don't know what that is yes that's a stretch but the general population i thought was a little bit one of the only things okay. that were slightly true I can to see me. that yeah. yeah and so like that yeah, obviously very problematic no yeah so yeah. it's uh that's it, it's very problematic because like this has its roots in truth um like right. how he that's developed the-, <laughs> the disorder and then they go off and do all this homicidal stuff and like it's just so right. much worse i wish they would have just made up a disorder and I said know. you have this made, like made up disorder Why did it but have because to be they a real disorder yeah it's uh, like this is just so much worse m night Shyamalan. like what are you doing so um yeah, there there are just so many problems with that. And so disassociative identity disorder, by the way, uh, approximately 1.5% of the population has it. Um, and like you said, the stigma is just severe because almost every time you see it, it's a negative portrayal. Right. It's the killer in Psycho. It's, it's the, you know, the bad mm-hmm. guy in Fight Club. And so and then the the killer in this movie. And so there's mm-hmm. a, such a stigma against having this that most people will hide it from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are also some people that just never seek treatment because they never accept that they have it because of the stigma. And right. so they're like, I mean, I have bipolar disorder, you have borderline personality disorder, and those are highly stigmatized conditions too. But I, I think this one is worse. <laughs> like, cause I, oh, I, yeah. I think there's maybe one positive portrayal and that's the United States of Tara, which is a right? Showtime show <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that from what I hear actually did a pretty good job. But um, yeah. And this, you know, when, yeah. when I was reading a little bit about um, like, um, reading about this movie and everything and they're talking about somebody was citing some research and I went in and I looked a little bit more into it that there has been research into you know dissociative identity disorder and the the link to it with borderline personality disorder and that Mm -hmm. some actual people think that um, dissociative identity disorder is like a symptom of borderline like usually the you have borderline personality disorder like the person who has dissociative identity disorder actually has borderline personality BPD, but mm-hmm. then disassociates. And so, because that can be a part of some BPD. And so, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting to think about how, well, first of all, I think it's interesting because 
you know, this stuff is, I mean, it's definitely, it's science and stuff like that, but there, no one 100% knows anything when we were talking about mental <laughs> yeah. illness and mental health. So like say all this research was done and, and then it, to, to figure out that like this three or four separate illnesses is actually like one illness, but it's just different. It's just portrayed in a different way. It's very interesting for me to think about. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. There's a huge overlap between DID yeah. and BPD yeah. um, where like, like, I think it's like 60 or 70% of people with DID ha- have BPD. Yeah. Um, and so very common. And it's like, I mean, it's a reaction, like in this case, like BPD could come from a number of places, but in this case, it's a reaction to the trauma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, and then like other things like the PTSD, substance abuse, depression, like the suicide attempts are all related to the trauma. So, I mean, obviously this is a negative portrayal of mental illness. So I actually yes. wanted to talk about portrayals of mental illness in the media. Um, so I have some stats on that and mm-hmm. I, you know, I figured this would be as good a place today to talk about it. So yeah. there was, um, and I could post the, the links to these studies on our website if you're curious. So the website will have links to these studies. So uh, media coverage of mental illness, they did a study of 562 media stories. And these are like news stories in 1993. And so of these 562 stories, uh, mentally, mental illness uh, was reported at violence toward others was 66% of the story stories, mm, mm, um, mm-hmm. harm self 13%. Um, so comic images 2%. Um, hmm. criticism of accepted definitions of mental illness, 1%, but then sympathetic coverage, 18%. Um, and so, you know, 18%, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not 0%. So, you know, right. I, I guess hooray for that. But these stats are also misleading because media stories linking mental illness to violence were front page news. Sympathetic coverage was often relegated to like the back page and minor stories that are just kind of mentioned in passing. And so... What everybody's reading are the, you know, the the negative stories, the violence toward others. Um, and so, like, there was another study where they surveyed 208 community college students on their familiarity with mental illness and their thoughts on how dangerous mental illness was, just to get the link there. Um, and so what was interesting is 90% of these college students said that they gained familiarity from mental illness through film. Um and 66% said through documentaries. And so mm. overwhelming majority of these people experienced mental illness through film and documentaries. Um, and then going down, 33% said they knew a, a close friend with mental illness. 25% had a family member with mental illness. Fewer than 5% had a mental illness of the respondents here. So the vast majority of respondents knew about mental illness primarily through popular media, through film and stuff like that and it's i'm I'm sure we'll get into sometime like when we get to one flew over the cuckoo's nest there was another study where Mm. just watching that actually made people more fearful of mental illness in general um and even to the point where they showed a documentary afterwards to set the facts straight and it did not help um because people had just Mm. latched on to this idea that mental illness is dangerous um there was another there was a study in 2006 um 60% of americans believe that people with schizophrenia are violent 32% mm. of americans believe that people with major depression are violent which i mean major depression and violence where do you get right. that link that's so weird um, <laughs> yeah but it's i mean it's just because of this link in the media where all the coverage mm-hmm. is negative because people eat that up people love that um 
And so, I mean, there have been independent studies that have shown that people with mental illness are no more likely to commit violent crime than people without mental illness. And so, there, yes, there are people with mental illness that commit crimes. And before I forget this, actually, there has been some speculation that um, Kevin in this movie is based on a real person um, who had disassociative hmm. identity disorder where one of the personalities actually did go out and rape three women. And this was the first use of the insanity defense in regards to oh. DID in hmm. court. Um, and so like, I'm not saying like everybody right. with mental illness is hundred percent safe, but I am saying that your instance of violence and mental illness is no greater than that of the general population. Right. Um, and yeah. so there are things like um, most of the instances of violence with mental illness are for like totally, no- you know, I say normal, um, like what neurotypical people would also associate with violence, um, where it's like drug use or it's, you know, revenge for your wife cheating on you or something like like some sort of impassioned right. thing like that. It's not due to the mental illness. Um, so there's that but this study also looked at in primetime television uh 40% of neurotypical characters are violent 73% of characters with mental illness are violent wow um and so almost twice as much um even though the That's stats TV? show that yeah this is primetime mm-hmm. television um and so mm-hmm. like i'm sure a lot of those csi shows because like right. most of the time they'll say oh yeah there's this killer and he totally has borderline personality disorder um Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, like, th- this is just all over the media. And this this is just what we experience where, you know, people assume we're dangerous. People assume we're unstable because that's what they're seeing all the time in media. And most people are getting their information about mental illness through film and media, um, through news stories, through documentaries, stuff like that. Um, right. And like, you think about the films that positively portray mental illness, they're low budget art house films whereas the big budget mm-hmm. films are the ones like this and like so many of the others that portray mental illness as this horrible awful thing that turns people into killers um to the point where like you know of course the most of the conversation around gun control in america says oh well actually we need to solve the mental health problem and um trump has actually said like we used to have asylums where we could lock these people up um Mm. there was another republican senator who said like we need a national registry of people with mental illness oh yes Um, i I remember yeah and so like this this is like worked its way into so many levels and like people like generally these people that are so concerned about gun rights are not concerned about my rights um because they assume i'm dangerous they're Mm -hmm. you know and so not that i want a gun but like they only want them to have guns they don't want people like me to have guns they don't you don't want people like me to have rights of privacy or anything like that uh, because of the belief that we're dangerous and so so much of that comes from media and so it's it's just depressing to see another film in 2016 that is this far off base so yeah. And you're they're, they're going to have to add another statistic to that at some point mm-hmm. with podcast. I mean, the amount of I mean, I think a, a huge genre in podcasts is mental health crime. mental illness, um, yeah. Well, I mean just oh, like true crime. crime. Yeah, oh, like true gosh. crime. So I'm, uh, how many things are people, I mean, people love that true crime. So sometimes that's like the only yeah. thing they listen to. So imagine like if who knows the percentage of podcasts out there where like the where you're talking about the killer has you know x y and z mental health issues you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. um i'm sure it's not 
going to be better is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the statistics wise. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's some, you know, positive ones out there. And then we have our podcast. that's obviously positive. Hope I would think it's positive about mental <laughs> illness or else like we're doing like, I don't, I think we need to re-examine what we're doing, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so just, just interesting to see, um, the statistics include podcasts more going forward and stuff. We can find that. Stuff. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen any stats on that, but right. it's there kind of new. probably are some interesting stats mm-hmm. out there. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so my, some of the things that I was thinking about for mental health for um, this movie, obviously is uh, like the stuff that you're thinking about. Um, but how, you know, some of the messages in this movie are strange or weird when it about mental health like that well obviously the main one is you know people who have did are killers and dangerous but like another one that it seems to suggest and which which i alluded to before is like trauma is something that makes you pure and great so it's like a weird like you know that's what kind of stops um you know we have the main character gosh Casey, 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 you know, she's different. Like she's positioned in this in, in from the beginning of the mov- movie as like someone that's not liked and that's different. And we slowly see that she's different because she's suffered some kind of trauma and abuse in her life. And mm-hmm. that can be a little bit of a dangerous line of people who are have been abused and who've suffered trauma are different and don't belong like with the, you know, within they can't get along within groups of the people who are, you know, other people their age, because those girls are are definitely like, you know, there's something different about her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so at the end when, you know, he's faced with her and he stops because, you know, it's like, Oh, magically makes her now pure and great. Like I'm just, it just seemed like a weird setup for me. And I thought that Mm -hmm. um, uh, the whole idea of how, I always take umbrage with like, well, you went through this in your life. You must be completely different and not, you can't relate to me at all. And I don't know if that's the case, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I've, I've been through a lot and I definitely, I don't think people would look at me and think that, you know, I'm weird or awkward or something, you know, I don't think that people can automatically see that there's something off of me just because I have a mental illness. That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. And that's, I, I didn't even think about that where this film like simultaneously demonizes mental illness and romanticizes trauma. Right. That's what, uh, yes. Like that's a weird mix. That's so, what I'm saying is just like a yeah. strange, like, I don't know what it's trying. It, it is. It's very weird. So I, I got that, and I don't know. Right, because yeah, I mean work. that's that's another problem is like right. l- mental illness is also romanticized, mm-hmm. and so there was that series Monk about like a you know detective with OCD, and people looked at it, they're like, oh, that's so cute. I guess I'm a little OCD yes. too. <laughs> um, and so many <laughs> exactly. people are like, I'm just a little bit bipolar because I painted something last night, like. Um, I think people <laughs> right. want to latch on to and like I've had people like I say I'm bipolar they're like oh you must be so creative I'm like well mm-hmm. yes 
but I mean, like, that's just who I am. Um, so Right. And I've even fallen victim to that when I was younger. When I was younger, mm-hmm. when I first started, like, there was something, you know, wrong with me and that, I mean we were like going to therapists and stuff. And when I, um, one of the things I constantly said was, I don't want to go to therapy and I don't want to take medicine because I'm creative and I'm a writer. And if I do something that Mm -hmm. stifles my writing and my creativity in that way, like take drugs and get better, I'm not going to be a good writer anymore. And I very much played into that when I was a young girl, because that's how it was. It was like, either you're really, you're like a serial killer or you're like super creative and like a writer and an artist, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but there's really, you're not never just a regular person. (laughs) Yeah. So... You want to tell us what our next film will be? Yes, I um I am going to pick our next film, and so I have picked the 2003 film Monster. Um, oh, have you seen this film? I have not. Okay, um, it says in parentheses in our random picker minority voices. So I don't know if this is um like I'm I think it was written directed written directed, directed by a woman. Yeah, because um, like as, I mean I realize women are like fifty percent of the population, exactly. so they're not a minority. But in the filmmaking world, they are. Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. so yeah. And so um, I'm going to read the mini description. So Monster is a 2000 three biographical crime drama film written and directed by Patty Jenkins and her feature directorial debut. There, that answered the question. Um, there we go. The, fi- <laughs> the film is about serial killer Eileen Warnos, a former street prostitute who, mur- who murdered seven of her male clients between 1989 and 1990 and was executed in Florida in 2002. So I think this is going to be really interesting for us to talk about mm-hmm. um, mental health wise and also Florida wise. Um, I know some of the places where this <laughs> yeah. was filmed. Um, I grew oh, wow. up in Summer on Skateway. And so the skating rink where they filmed it, that was Summer on Skateway. I believe it was Summer on uh-huh. or it was Universal. Either one. I grew up with both of them. And then the club that they meet at. And I know this is <laughs> we can talk, but the um, was a it was a former. Well, I know I think it's still there because I'm not around anymore. But a, um, a gay club we used to go to like you know what was it called just, um god it was um gosh it's on the tip of my tongue um it's on I, the I corner remember. yeah yeah it's on the corner of um bumby and anyway i'll look it up and i'll, I'll say it but i think it's still so around next episode yeah <laughs> um but like my friend used to work there we used to go and get, like it was just really fun and also like just uh-huh. if people don't know like i mean i'm i identify as a heterosexual um female and like I don't um but I think going to gay clubs when you're young um as mm-hmm. a, a heterosexual woman seems very less threatening than going to regular clubs. So we, we used to always mm-hmm. go to gay clubs all the time just for the fact yeah. that it was a safe place for not just people who identify, you know, as LGBTQ, um, but also for for women. So yeah. Anyway. Totally. <laughs> Okay, so that's all I think we can say about that movie. So um, (laughs) would you like to take us away then? 
Sure. Take us away. So we are Peculiar Picture Show, a podcast that talks about movies, maladies, and mental health. You can find us online at peculiarpicture.show. That's our website. You can stream all episodes there. We've got some additional information. Like I said, we'll have the studies that I mentioned up on the website. Um, and we've got links to our social media profiles. Additionally, I write my own movie reviews at brandontalksmovies.com. And I have some of my mental health writing at monsteronmyback.pub. So that's what we got. And we'll talk to you next time. See you next time.